You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Hiatus Rat shifts its targets. Ecuador's difficulties with voting is attributed to cyber attacks. Carter B is an APT targeting Hong Kong. Buddha turns out not to have been breached. Ukrainian hacktivists claim to dox a senior member of Russia's Duma. Russian influence operations take aim at NATO's July summit. Joe Kerrigan describes attacks on LinkedIn accounts. Our guest is John Hernandez from Quest to discuss why he believes the Move It flaw is a wake-up call for CISOs. And security not by obscurity, but by hypo. I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire Intel briefing for Tuesday, August 22nd, 2023. Researchers at Lumen's Black Lotus Labs continue to track Hiatus Rat, a cyber espionage campaign targeting edge networking devices. The campaign has shifted its targeting from Latin America and European entities and is now primarily focused on organizations in Taiwan. Lumen states, The Taiwanese targeting affected a wide range of organizations, from semiconductor and chemical manufacturers and at least one municipal government organization. The threat actor also targeted a server used by the military. Lumen says, Given that this website was associated with contract proposals, we suspect the threat actor could gather publicly available information about military requirements or search for organizations involved in the defense industrial base. The researchers note, The shift in information gathering and targeting preference exhibited in the latest campaign are synonymous with the strategic interest of the People's Republic of China, according to the 2023 ODNI threat assessment. Attribution is unclear. The targeting is consistent with Chinese intelligent interests, but such consistency is merely circumstantial. Absentee balloting in Ecuador's current election has been a problem. The record quotes Diana Atamaint, president of the National Electoral Council, as saying... We inform the Ecuadorian people that according to preliminary reports, the telematic voting platform suffered cyber attacks that affected the fluidity of accessing the vote. She added, We also clarify and emphasize that the cast votes have not been violated. She made no attribution and offered no speculation about motives, but did say that the attacks were identified as coming from seven countries— India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, Russia, Ukraine, Indonesia, and China. 
the telematic voting platform is used to handle absentee balloting. The Symantec Threadhunter team has published a report on Carter B., an APT group that's launching supply chain attacks against organizations in Hong Kong. The threat actor is using the legitimate Cobra DocGuard encryption software to deliver the core plug malware, also known as PlugX. The researchers note, malicious activity was seen on about 100 computers in impacted organizations. However, Cobra DocGuard software was installed on around 2,000 computers, indicating that the attacker may be selectively pushing payloads to specific victims. CorePlug is known to be used by several threat groups. Which one is responsible for the current Carter B wave, however, is so far unknown. UDA, the domain authority for the Australian top-level domain .au, late yesterday said it had completed its investigation of an apparent cyber attack and concluded that there is no evidence that cyber criminals have accessed UDA systems or have obtained UDA data. A sole trader with an Australian domain name was being extorted by a ransomware operator. The trader didn't pay, and the gang then claimed, falsely as it turned out, to be in possession of UDA data. So the UDA incident seems to have been a case of gangland's big talk far outrunning reality. The Cyber Resistance Hacktivist Auxiliary, which operates in sympathy with Ukraine during the present war, claims to have obtained access to emails belonging to Alexander Babakov, deputy chair of Russia's Duma. The cyber resistance provided the documents, some 11 gigabytes of material, to Inform Napalm for analysis and assessment. Inform Napalm, in its turn, says the email is also being made available to international journalists in the interest of exposing Mr. Babakov's alleged corruption. That corruption, the cyber resistance suggests, extends to bribery, money laundering, extortion, supporting your mice abroad. Files posted by Inform Napalm include, as the record summarizes, scams of Babakov's passport, tax and financial documents, as well as his medical records. The authenticity of the material remains under investigation, but Mr. Babakov's reputation for corruption is long-standing. He's been under sanction by the EU, Switzerland, and Canada since 2014, by the U.S. since 2017. A lot of the specific corruption he's been associated with by these countries involves, of course, sanctions evasion. One sidelight, Inform Napalm alleges that the emails include congratulations from Mr. Babakov to Mr. Stephen Seagal, who has received both honorary citizenship and the Order of Freedom from President Putin. There are also some communications to a third party asking that a billion rubles be donated to the Steven Seagal Cinematography Support Fund. The scale of the donation is justified, the communications allegedly explain, by the scale of the personality, that personality being presumably Mr. Seagal himself, the auteur responsible for the environmentally-themed action film On Deadly Ground. A billion rubles is currently worth about $11 million. Not as much as it used to be, but still, not chump change. Graphica has announced Russian influence operations aimed at shaping a narrative around the Atlantic Alliance's July summit in Vilnius. The campaign featured documents the operators claimed to have been stolen from the Lithuanian government 
and it exhibited a strong interest in driving a fissure between France and the other members of the alliance. The content distributed included bogus press releases disseminated by inauthentic persona. Graphica identified two distinct operations in the campaign. The researchers attribute one to Doppelganger, which they describe as a sprawling campaign that has impersonated media outlets and government agencies since at least May 2022 to disseminate pro-Russia messaging. The other operation is attributed to a familiar group, Secondary Infection, known since 2014 for using fake persona to stage falsified and hacked documents online. Whether the two operations were closely coordinated or simply shared a common strategic objective is unclear. The campaign was complex and extensive, but its results were negligible. Graphica says their content received minimal shares from authentic users, and what online traction they did generate was largely in existing pro-Kremlin communities. Graphica also observed social media users, including influential pro-Kremlin figures, calling out the activity as fake, suggesting the actors often failed in their efforts to deceive online audiences. The secondary infection material in particular was marked by slovenly linguistic execution. The post contained grammatical errors typical of native Russian speakers, such as incorrect use of definite and indefinite articles, you know, like shadow speak, only not as funny. And finally, spelling counts, friends. Lad Bible reports on a story told in the new documentary Billion Dollar Heist about a major theft from the Federal Reserve Bank of New York by suspected North Korean hackers. The hackers sent 35 fraudulent orders via the SWIFT network to transfer nearly $1 billion from an account belonging to Bangladesh Bank. The first five orders were successful, giving the hackers just over $100 million. One request, however, contained a typo. The hackers had misspelled foundation as fandation, which caused the automated defense system to flag the transaction for further review. As a result, the other 29 requests were also blocked, preventing the attackers from stealing another $850 million. So, friends, stay in school. Coming up after the break, Joe Carrigan describes attacks on LinkedIn accounts. Our guest is John Hernandez from Quest to discuss why he believes the Move It flaw is a wake-up call for CISOs. Stay with us. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging and time-consuming. Enter Vanta. Vanta gives you one place to centralize and scale your security program, quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for ISO 27001, SOC 2, and more. You can leverage Vanta's market-leading trust management platform to unify risk management and secure the trust of your customers. Plus, use Vanta AI to save time when completing security questionnaires. CyberWire daily listeners can get $1,000 off by going to vanta.com slash cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash cyber. 
In the dynamic world of enterprise security, identity architects and IT leaders face a major challenge. Growth by repeated acquisitions multiplies the complexity of everything. Multiple IDPs, MFA providers, policy engines that all need to coexist. This can lead to fragmented user identities and policies that create security vulnerabilities and add access friction. Strata Identity solves this. Now you can decommission unneeded IDPs and consolidate the ones you'd like to keep without rewriting apps or disrupting users, engineers, and app owners. Plus, Strata's modular architecture makes it easy to integrate with any identity provider without manual maintenance and coding. Join the ranks of cybersecurity leaders using identity orchestration. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your top identity security priorities, and receive a pair of complimentary AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations with over 5,000 employees. Step into a new era of identity management at strata.io slash cyberwire. The Move It flaw continues to make headlines as more organizations reveal they've fallen victim to the vulnerability. John Hernandez is president and general manager at Quest Software, and he believes for CISOs, Move It should serve as a wake-up call. It's crazy how we just can't, as businesses and operators, we just can't wait around for CLOP to come out with their ransom payment demands and take time to secure our software supply chains. Every company and government around the world really needs to get ahead of this as much as they can as, as things are continuing to evolve in the marketplace based on uh, the move of exposure there. And some of those things that we're seeing out there is, is the need to have a real strong defense in-depth approach that really ensures that the people are following basic uh, procedures and processes. I mean, as a matter of fact, you know, we work with Microsoft pretty, pretty deeply as a partner with them. And they identify key things in the digital defense report that came out uh, late last year that 88% of impacted customers do not even employ best practices of security. And 90% of accounts compromised via password attacks were not even protected with strong authentication. So there's just some basic things that could be done there to make sure that you're tightening up your environments. Can we get into some of the specifics here? I mean, I think it's fair to say many organizations saw this move it vulnerability as a bit of a wake-up call or a, a shot across the bow. Looking forward, what sort of things should people be putting in place to make sure that they're not victim of the next version of this? Yeah, I, I think what we're seeing is every CISO and their their teams that we're working with is really putting in the risk mitigation framework and, and really understanding what is the cost to mitigate these risks and how you mobilize budget and teams and vendors to help secure the environments here. And when you look at those types of those trade-offs, it is really understanding where do you attack the, the high priority items first to reduce those, those vulnerabilities, obviously. And, and as they're thinking through that, and, and we're working with many companies and governments on that, is, is applying things like the NIST framework and the security cyber resilience lifecycle that that, uh, that that lays out around, you know, how do you identify your vulnerabilities? That's, a, that's the first thing out there is if you don't know where your vulnerabilities are, 
you can't do anything to tighten them up. And once you identify those things, you absolutely have to protect and detect when things are happening against those vulnerabilities. And ultimately, your response and the ability to recover if a breach like this does happen is very critical to keep the supply chain going. As a matter of fact, we got we got a uh, webinar coming up at the end of the month with our customers and partners, and we took a little survey with them over the last few weeks. And surprisingly, one of the top five things that are top of mind right now, based on this move it exposure here, is the supply chain is very much top of mind right now. Hmm. Well, speaking of supply chain, you know, what's your take on some of the efforts that have been made here? And I'm thinking of things like SBOMs, you know, software builds a material, that sort of thing. Are, are they helpful? Do, do they complete the picture? No, it, it's, it's going to take much more than that, obviously. I mean, this is a complicated, multiple, variable uh, challenge that, that every enterprise is, is really experiencing and, and trying, to, uh, trying to get ahead of. Um, and I think that's why you see so many vendors and, and agencies out there trying to put together things like Gartner taking a look at, you know, what they call the cybersecurity mesh architecture, uh, which is a broad and extensive architecture that includes many, many different software solutions and SaaS platforms and services organizations to really pull that together. Now, when you look at each of these different enterprises, and governments alike, it's understanding, again, where your vulnerabilities are so you can attack those things first. But at the end of the day, you know, us working with Gartner and really tying into that mesh architecture, you know, they've been published out there saying that by 2025, 45% of organizations worldwide will have experienced attacks on their software supply chain. So this is definitely a wake-up call which happened over the summer and making sure that folks are putting this top of mind, mobilizing budgets and going after those vulnerabilities. When you think of the organizations that you and your colleagues work with and and you see success, are, are there any common elements for the ones who seem to be coming at this from the right direction? Yeah, you know, one thing that we see a pretty common where there's success is obviously working with the CISO office and the CIO on projects like this to really tighten up um, uh, security vulnerabilities and protect areas like Active Directory, which is the authentication for like 90% of corporations and governments around the world, it's so critical to protect those those crown jewels of all that data that can be held ransom and then take down the entire enterprise uh, or government. But as we're thinking through those types of engagements with our customers and government agencies as well that we work with, it really is, you know, the combination of not only the CISO office and all the things that they're bringing to, to bear on these topics, but it's also interesting enough working with the digital workplace transformation teams in both customers and partners, uh, because there's a lot going on over in that side of, of the shop that really can tighten up some of those security things and clean up some of the environments that have exposure before you even apply security protocols on top of it. Cleaning it up is very important as well. What are your recommendations for organizations who want to come at this? I mean, how, where, where do they begin? Yeah, I think the first thing is is really doing the identification like the NIST framework um, highlights, you know, understanding what the attack paths look like into your enterprise, understanding where your vulnerabilities exist that allows you to prioritize as an organization what are your biggest areas uh, of concern that you're going to have to mobilize quickly to go and tighten up. Some of the other things, like I mentioned earlier, is just applying some of the best practices around you know, two-factor authentication and password protection and 
and the ability to make sure that you're using best practices that are published out there. It, it's surprisingly how many companies just don't do that today. And those are some of the basic building blocks just to get right out of the gate. And then there's so many ways you can take it on from there. But really understanding what you're dealing with is the number one priority. That's John Hernandez from Quest Software. And joining me once again is Joe Kerrigan. He's from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute and also my co-host on the Hacking Humans podcast. Hey, Joe. Hi, Dave. Uh, interesting story came by. This is from the folks over at CyberInt, mm-hmm. the threat intelligence company. Yep. Uh, and they're tracking what they're seeing uh, as attacks on LinkedIn accounts. What's going on here, Joe? So uh, somebody is attacking LinkedIn accounts, and they are following a very specific modus operandi here okay. is what they call it, MO. And what's happening is one of two things is happening to people. Either their accounts are getting compromised uh, because of either a credential stuffing attack or uh, brute forcing or something. They're somehow getting into the uh, the accounts. Yeah. Or they are forcing the login so often that LinkedIn has an automated response that says, okay, you need to validate your account. Hmm. Um, so you have to go in and uh, do a few things so that we know it's you. And it's interesting to note that one of the things Cyberin does in this is tracking the Google searches that have changed. Hmm. Uh, so over the past 90 days, they, they've noticed that LinkedIn contact number searches have increased 150%. So people are going to Google searching for LinkedIn contact number and trying to get in touch with LinkedIn. Right. They're also noticing that there's a, a lot longer response time from LinkedIn support because LinkedIn is probably dealing with a bunch of these. Yeah. Uh, They've noticed some breakout search terms, LinkedIn account hack 2023, LinkedIn account restriction, verify identity, and LinkedIn account recovery appeal. Hmm. When people who have lost control of their accounts are losing control of of their accounts, uh, one of two things is happening. Either the accounts are just being deleted, which is kind of odd, or they're being held for ransom mm. for a relatively low amount. A couple, they're saying a few tens of dollars. Hmm. Uh, you know, so give me 50 bucks, you can have your account back. Kind of a nuisance ransomware. Yeah, yeah almost. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what the the threat actor is up to here. I don't, if this were a nation state, they wouldn't be locking people out of their accounts. You know, mm-hmm. they, if they were doing an intelligence operation, they just lay low and, and, Hopefully, you'd never check and find out that someone was logging in from a different location. Right? Yeah, you can check that on LinkedIn to see where you're logged in, and you can terminate those terminate those sessions as well. But these guys are going in, changing the email address to an email that's uh, just a, just a bunch of random characters, and then changing the password, locking the people out. I see. There is some talk in here about the consequences of that, the impact of of a LinkedIn account. And they talk about um, about the damage to your reputation if your account is hacked, right? Mm-hmm. Like they mm-hmm. can uh, publish content. They can damage your professional reputation if you're heavily, heavily reliant on LinkedIn for that. They could do things where they attack people that you know uh, mm-hmm. through other attacks. We had a recent story on Hacking Humans where we talked about the uh, 
possibility of somebody getting, you know, that just because you've lost access to one of your accounts and, and the malicious actor now has it, that doesn't mean you're the only person that's affected by that. It right. spreads throughout your network, throughout whoever, whoever you're connected to. They're also now at risk. And that's a very real, real problem. But on LinkedIn, it can be amplified because this is a professional social network. Yeah. You know, you're supposed to be conducting yourself professionally on here. Although I will say that I've noticed that LinkedIn is more like Facebook uh, lately, but that's just my <laughs> grumpy old manness about it. Um, I wonder too, like, could it, could it be multi-tiered? In other words, pe- these are po- folks are going after people's credentials. And mm-hmm. if it's a low profile credential, then they hit them with nuisance ransomware. Right. But if it's a high profile credential, that has, maybe that has more value yeah. on the open market. Yeah, th- this article doesn't make any uh, any statement about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I would imagine that if they if they get a high profile individual's account, probably it, well, it's definitely more valuable to them. Whether or not they want to do anything about it as bad actors is up to them, and whether or not they even realize it. If I mean, the fact of the matter is, this could be young kids, right? Just doing these attacks, try to make a couple fast bucks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And of course, they emphasize uh, the importance of uh, multi-step verification, multi, multi, multi-factor authentication. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they say they say uh, what you can do. You can check your account access. Mm-hmm. So if you log into LinkedIn, you can you can go to privacy and security under settings and find out where you're logged in. You can terminate sessions there. You have to enter your password to terminate a session, mm. which I guess kind of makes sense. Yeah. Check your email uh, for any messages from LinkedIn indicating the addition of another email account. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you didn't initiate that, consider that a significant warning sign, they say. Right. Uh, password security. Employ a strong and lengthy password unique to your LinkedIn account and avoid password reuse across platforms, which is always a, uh, a good idea. And the best way to manage that is with a password manager. And then they say multi-factor authentication, yeah, uh, enabling two-step verification in your LinkedIn account. Now, I went to LinkedIn and looked at the options that they have. They only have two options. You can only get a text message or you can use one of those authenticator apps to generate a one-time password mm. using a seed. Okay. Um, so they're, they're going to flash a barcode up and then you're going to be able to um, do that. So, you know, be mindful that that... You've had problems with that with uh, Discord, that if, right. you, if you lose access to that seed then you lose access to LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, you know, it would be nice to see them do something where you could use something with the FIDO2 uh, compliant system. Right. Uh, they're Microsoft, they're, LinkedIn is owned by Microsoft. Microsoft is part of FIDO2. They're on the board. They're board level members of the FIDO2 yeah. uh, uh, alliance or the FIDO alliance rather. FIDO2 is the protocol. I'm misspeaking there. So I'd like to see LinkedIn let you use some kind of FIDO device. All right. Well, the original article here is from the folks over at CyberInt. It's titled LinkedIn Accounts Under Attack. Joe Kerrigan, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Dave. And that's the CyberWire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at cyberwire at n2k.com. Your feedback helps us ensure we're delivering the information and insights that help keep you a step ahead in the rapidly changing world of cybersecurity. 
We're privileged that N2K and podcasts like The Cyberwire are part of the daily intelligence routine of many of the most influential leaders and operators in the public and private sector, as well as the critical security teams supporting the Fortune 500 and many of the world's preeminent intelligence and law enforcement agencies. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was produced by Liz Irvin and senior producer Jennifer Iben. Our mixer is Trey Hester with original music by Elliot Peltzman. The show was written by our editorial staff. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Thank you.